I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where when this man gets unfairly fired from work, he comes up with a genius plan to take down the company. He gets not only his inept colleague fired as well, but his boss his boss's boss, and his boss's boss's boss. A quick word of warning, the setup for this one is quite long, but trust me, it's gonna be worth it in the end. Sit back, relax, and let's get into this one. Boss's boss threatens to fire me. I accept and get himself and his friends fired. This whole story happened in 2021 and ended in October. Dang, time flies. And it's something that puts a Cheshire smile on my face. Background. In January 2021, I began working for a very big American company in Europe that was and is in the energy sector. At the factory plant I began working at, the parts of gas turbines get assessed for restoration and reworked so they can get used again. Each single part would cost several thousand when produced new and it would hold for like a decade or so. Reworking cost about a quarter of that and the part would be good for another eight to 10 years with more inspections, of course, for safety. The customers would pay about half or three quarters of the cost of a new part And since we're talking two to eight K per single part and a gas turbine containing thousands of pieces, we're speaking several million for each gas turbine, the customer would save a good chunk. And of course, the company was sitting on a golden goose. Over the decades, that meant that the facility where the stuff was reworked had an absolute uncontested income without much competition since the parts were their own design and production. And that was a win-win for both customer and company. Over time though, that led to a problem. That competence, invention, or even honesty were not really needed by the management of the facility anymore. As long as the workers stick to their already developed and tested processes and did their job, money would keep flowing in, regardless of what the office did or did not. You can see where this is going. Now the setup. So I was hired there as part of quality control. Specifically, I was to operate a 3D computer managed measuring machine. Gas turbines get, as you can imagine, pretty hot and they spin fast. And a decade of heat combined with dynamic stress has the nasty habit of deforming stuff. We can't have that for sure. So you have to measure the stuff really precisely so that the production knows what section of which piece needs reworking or if a piece is too out of form to be used again at all. The operation of such a machine is not too complicated. Put the piece into the bracket, clamp it down, load the correct model and start the program. You get the measurement report then as a text file, an Excel, as well as a PDF. The pieces, usually rotary blades, nearly always came in sets, 24 to 216 depending on the size. When all are measured, you compile all the reports the machine made into one Excel with a somewhat complicated method. It wasn't hard, I learned all that in a week. That machine was immensely important for the facility, running in two to three shifts per day, six days per week. About 80% of all pieces that went through the reworking process had to be measured at least twice. As nearly anyone with a technical background can guess, operating a machine and understanding what it's actually doing are two big different things. When I started, there were only three guys that understood the machine properly, as well as a technician, Vladimir, who could actually fix codes, 
or reprogram a 3D model if there was a problem. Vladimir, however, was the technician for the entire facility, so was very busy. And when he had to come over, his time would need to be paid for by the departments. That's something the bosses didn't encourage, so to say. Of the three guys who knew the machine, Antonio is important. He'd been working there for a few centuries at least, knew every nook and cranny, and while being a simple worker, if stuff went wrong, he was the guy you turned to. He had a bit of a short temper and very blunt language, but he was honest, open, and very fair. I, myself, am not the most social person. I always held back with a brutal honesty, and I take my professional cold attitude a bit too seriously, I guess. In general, if people share my principles of honesty, fairness, and taking responsibility seriously, then we get along great. But with people that are less trustworthy, I basically turn into an ice block. Not perfect, I know, but hey, I don't work in retail for good reason. So, the thing is, despite some heated arguments, Antonio and me really got along swimmingly. What no one knew was that Antonio had, over the decades, collected such a backlog of days off, overtime and whatnot, that he could retire two years early and he was 63. He decided to groom me as his successor and began teaching me every little detail about the measuring machine, how to fix stuff, how to do proper maintenance, why it did certain stuff, and so on. Yes, he was a perfectionist, but so am I, so I really appreciated it. What I noticed in my first week in the company was the biggest problem there. The facility had a massive problem with cliques, clans, and little circles. If you were part of the correct clique, you could do what you wanted and remain untouchable. If you aren't, well, your credit goes to anyone but you, and you are the perfect scapegoat. I didn't care about it much, to be honest. I'm a bit of a rule fanatic, and I stick to them even when everyone else ignores them. For me, this was a well-paying job with a horrible commute, one and three-quarter hours in one direction, so I wanted to stay there for as long as I could, earn my money, and then just take the next job. There was a fourth guy who was operating the machine, in air quotes. I don't remember his name, so let's call him Igor. Igor was part of the same clique as my boss, Manuel, my boss's boss, Freddy, and of course his own boss, Boris, who was also his brother. Igor was working the measuring machine, simply because it was the most comfortable job that he could perform. Usually, he would do the night shifts, as that paid extra. Occasionally, he'd take the late shift, while I always took the early one. This was the least popular, due to the 6am starts, but I liked going home at 3 o'clock. Igor was, well, not a light bulb. He was like a wet match in a dark basement somewhere in a black hole. I might be a bit too harsh with him now, but that was all I ever got to see from him. He was also pretty lazy, rude, and arrogant. After all, he had an untouchable status due to his brother's best friend being boss of the entire assessment department. Alright then, that is the background and setup done. Now on to the actual story. A good six months after I started there was the first incident with the measuring machine. We received the material in pallets, and it was the firm rule that the rotary blades had to be sorted in numerical order. Each had a serial number and a set number. Stuff went a ton faster and easier if all was sorted clean, 1 to 82, or whatever the set went up to. Occasionally, an order, which were usually 2 to 4 pallets, would arrive unsorted at the measuring machine. Then we had to sort them. Since we had to lift the blades out one by one anyway to measure them, it was not that big of a deal, just a tad bit annoying. Igor never finished a set if he could help it, leaving just one or two blades left for measuring. 
And even when he had to finish a set and start a new one, he would never compile the reports into one Excel. I'm pretty sure he didn't even know how that worked. One morning, I came to work. And like so often, there was just three blades left to measure. I shrugged without care and wanted to just finish the order and start the next. The problem was, the pallets were a complete mess. Completely unsorted, despite them being measured. Igor had worked the late shift the day before and would also work the late shift that day. So I'd actually get to see him for a few minutes when I handed my shift over. This of course meant that I'd have to sort all of the pallets while also operating the machine with the next order as to avoid a delay. The machine was a bit of a bottleneck at the facility. Usually this is a chill post. The blades are never heavier than 22 kg, about 48 pounds. And you have like six to 14 minutes between the measurement cycles to lift them out and exchange them with the last measured blade. Sorting the last order took me two hours of quite sweaty work while also operating the machine nearby, so I was somewhat annoyed. When Eagle came in that afternoon, I asked him in a politely manner why he'd not sorted that one order. He replied in quite a rude tone that he wouldn't do that. I was a bit baffled, and I asked if he didn't know that it was mandatory to do that. He simply replied in a pretty rude tone again, that he wouldn't speak about it. Outright refusing to speak about a problem? What the heck? I told him that if he didn't want to speak about it, I'd have to speak about it with my boss. He just smiled in a smug fashion and told me to do that. Well, I did just that. I asked my boss about it in the fashion of, hey, I thought we were supposed to sort that stuff or did we change that? This led to a four-way talk with my boss, Igor, as well as Boris. Boris wasn't happy at all and my boss was rather embarrassed because it was all clear I was correct But neither of them wanted to admit that their friend had done anything wrong I did my usual ice block impression showing a blank face replying in very accurate and short words and staying all polite and professional It came out rather inconclusive with a kind request that we should please sort the pallets if they came in as a mess Igor just shrugged and it was clear that he didn't care It happened three more times that stuff came in unsorted, but Igor managed to avoid doing it ever. Okay, strike one out of three. Six weeks later, there was the second incident. Every morning before I started, I would maintain the machine like Antonio had showed me to do, cleaning everything and rubbing special liquid into stone tread the machine's arch ran back and forth on. One morning, I came in and turned the machine into manual mode, like every morning, so that I could run the arch to the end of the thread for maintenance. A second thereafter, I heard a grinding noise and instantly stopped the machine. The arch was an air cushion-based runner, Kind of like a hovercraft where the bottom of the arch would always remain a tiny bit above the surface to ensure minimum vibration. So a grinding sound is really, really bad. I quickly inspected the thread and found quite the deep crater in the stone surface, maybe two to three centimeters deep, an inch and wide. There was enough for the air cushion to lose pressure. So the arch was sliding over the stone surface of the thread. This inspection also revealed scratches along nearly the entire length of the thread. So it was pretty clear that this machine had been running with this crater for a good bit of time. I immediately shut down the machine, informed Vladimir, as well as my boss, that some big stuff was going on here. I also took pictures of the damage with timestamps just out of my usual paranoia. The machine was put out of commission as the arch had taken damage. The entire stone tread had to be reworked and the machine needed recalibration. It was out for over a month due to that crater. That crater, by the way, looked exactly like the bottom corner of one of the blades. 
almost as if one had been dropped onto the stone tread and the previous ship before me had drum rolls igor of course he denied that he'd done anything wrong and he could also not recall seeing any scratches or hearing any grinding noise during his shifts he tried to blame it on me of course but i'd reported the stuff like five minutes into my shifts with the last blade eagle had measured still in the machine again it was clear to all who had effed up but again not even a harsh word was given to him while the machine was getting fixed and reworked we were put to different work I got into the pre-assessment team where the pieces get their first evaluation. I made good friends there, which would serve as my ears later on in this story. Strike two out of three. After the machine got fixed a good month later, we collected a massive backlog to the point that the other departments who did the repair were struggling to find something to do that didn't need measurements. The machine was supposed to work in three shifts, but Antonio had left for his two-year vacation when the machine had been put out for repairs. And the other two colleagues who knew how to run and maintain the machine had left for better jobs so it was only me and eagle by then with me working quite some overtime for good pay all bs aside hourly wage was really proper one morning i noticed something pretty weird the order i'd started the previous afternoon was still not finished again with just two blades remaining every measurement report has a timestamp, which i quickly had a look into The measurement cycle for these was like three minutes plus one minute exchanging one blade for the next. For some reason, the measurement reports from Eagle's shift had like 10 to 15 minute gaps in between. Some even half an hour. Eagle was still around as he'd had the night shift. I knew he was a bit of a slacker, but these gaps were quite big. So I first thought that maybe there'd been trouble with the machine. So I asked him if he'd had any trouble with the machine last night and he snapped at me that all had been fine. I asked if he was sure and in return he inquired as to why i was asking i told him there were some quite large gaps in between the measurement reports and that i couldn't find any error message of sudden stops or such igor looked at those timestamps for a moment back at me and just shrugged before he went home that would have been the end of it if it wouldn't have been even stranger the next shift on monday i had for once not worked on saturday so eagle had three shifts in since i'd last clocked out i came in as usual did the maintenance and cleaning and wanted to check how far eagle had gotten four orders had gone through since my last shift so i assumed that as usual i would have to compile the reports but there were none i was pretty confused searching the orders numbers checking the machine protocol and all The measuring machine had been running over the weekend with no shutdown or restart visible in the log, but also no measurement reports at all. I called in Vladimir because four orders worth of reports missing is a big deal. According to the rules, I also informed my boss that the machine was standstill due to technical issues. Both Vladimir and my boss came into the measuring room and we three searched for the problem. It took us a while to figure out, simply to it being absolutely not expected. Someone had turned off the output of the machine, maybe to avoid the timestamps. This again caused quite some ruckus, as all four orders had to be measured again with reports, and production was really struggling now to have something to work on. Again, it's all clear who would screw this up. And finally, Freddy had had enough, but not of Igor. All right then, the time you've all been waiting for, guys, the revenge. The afternoon of the same day, Freddy, the boss of the entire assessment department, came into my measuring room with a nice expensive suit, tie, polished shoes, and went straight into my face. 
I was currently sitting in my chair, compiling the results of the re-measured first order when he stood before me, giving me no room to get up. He looked down on me and snapped at me that he was sick and tired of me bullying my co-workers. He handed me a letter, which were the signed papers of my contract's termination, signed by him, of course. He informed me that I now had exactly two options. I could either promise to do better, apologize to my co-worker Igor and admit I was at fault, or I'd be fired immediately. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, the good thing of being bullied and terrorized for most of your childhood is you learn to keep a cool head under stress. So I reined in my first urge to discuss with him or tell him that such was illegal. Instead, I took the letter and read through it before nodding a few times. Due to my cold, professional attitude, I was known for often remaining silent. So he took my nods as my compliance. He informed me that he was awaiting my written proposal before 2pm. All of the bosses went home before 2pm and came in around 8 or 9. Well, when he turned around and marched out with a smug grin, he left me with a termination letter with his signature on it. Fun fact, when both parties agree to it, a contract can be cancelled immediately without any further responsibilities, besides paying for already issued hours, which go directly through HR via the electronic timestamps of our clocking. So I had two hours left until his deadline, and I spent it carefully cleaning my workplace, making a backup of my work laptop, according to the rules, and then, also according to the rules, cleaning the hard drive completely. The backup was put into the assigned server with all data correctly named and compiled. But of course, the server for backup data is marked as unsearchable, as to avoid your search list getting cluttered, after all the same parts types came in again and again with the same material numbers, of course. If you know the rules and where to search, you would find the stuff within 20 seconds. If not, well, good luck, mate. It's only like 10 terabytes or so. I made a copy of the termination paper, signed by me now too, and I sent them to my email, which was allowed. I put the original back into the envelope and packed my things up. Then I went up to the office, envelope in hand. The big boss showed his smug smile again the moment he saw me, but he was quickly confused when he saw me with my laptop, work phone, and all that too. I handed him the letter, offered a polite nod, and turned around again. He shouted where the heck I was going, him still holding the envelope in his hand. You terminated my contract. According to the rules, I am to hand over all personal equipment I have been handed by the company before leaving. Exception according to paragraph B are safety shoes and safety glasses. I bid you a fine day, Mr. Freddy. I said this with a cold, calculated voice, trying my best to sound like a lawyer simply because I knew he hated my professional attitude. Then I went to my own boss and piled my stuff on his desk. My boss was confused as heck, asking me what was up. I briefly informed him that my contract was terminated and then once more quoted the rule. Now my boss was also smug, but he wasn't dumb. His eyes went big as he immediately realized that I was the only person he had left that actually knew how to maintain and properly operate the measuring machine. Now, given that he had such a backlog already, other departments relying on measurements had started to enforce short time work. 
he was lost for words and then rushed into freddy's office to see that termination letter meanwhile i changed my clothes in the locker room went to the gates and asked the security guards to please have a full inspection of my person and my backpack this was likewise regulation for personnel that was terminated on short notice and while the security guards were pretty baffled that i asked to be searched they complied They searched me fully and handed me a written confirmation that I had nothing on me that belonged to the company. Guys, I guess at this point, OP is trying to ensure that they are breaking zero contractual rules whatsoever, literally being asked to search so these bosses, once they realize how integral OP is to their company, can't pull on something that they've done here and say, oh no, you can't actually leave because you did this. That is why OP is being so pedantic and literally asking these guys to search them. My now ex-boss tried to call me all the time on my way home. But I just like having phone calls in public transport. So I simply muted him and continued reading my book until I got back. There, 4pm by now, it was well past his own time to go home. I finally answer his call. He tried to convince me that I needed this job and that all this could be sorted. My reply was this. I will have a new job within a week. You will need to take at least a month to train someone new on the machine. If you had anyone that could train a new person. I tell you what. Give me a solid contract with triple the pay and I come back. Oh, and I want a written apology from Freddy, as well as my own piece when working. He told me that I was completely unreasonable with such demands. Again, I say, so to get this clear, three times I discover massive BS happening, three times you guys try and heat the blame on me, and then you literally try to humiliate me, and Freddy actually fires me, and you want me to be reasonable. Well, I guess it would be reasonable then to just ignore you. Please be well. I hung up then and blocked his number, as well as any other number with which he would try to call me later on. So then, the aftermath. As I'd mentioned before, I still had ears in the company, so I have a good idea of what followed. The facility suddenly had its most sensitive bottleneck tightened even further and then clogged full of concrete soon after. Nobody maintained or cleaned the measuring machine anymore, and being a precision machine, it didn't take that lightly. Vladimir was soon called in multiple times a day to fix a problem, which in return built up a backlog for him in other places. Things that I, or previously Antonio, had fixed within a minute now took hours because Vladimir had to find time to come over and fix it in literally a minute. He tried explaining stuff to Igor, but yeah, that didn't work well. Other departments ran completely dry of work. And of course, they didn't want to bear the blame for missed deadlines, so the whole issue was pretty quickly reported up the ladder. And with nobody wanting to take a hit, it climbed higher and higher before eventually it got onto the desk of the national CEO of the company, the highest entity of the company this side of the Great Pond. I found that out via a friend in HR. This was followed by the arrival of the proverbial kill squad. You know, the modern equivalent to an executor. A bunch of guys in very tight suits, no sense of humor, cold eyes, and the strict command to find someone's head to put on a silver plate. As far as I heard, even a prosecutor from the USA was amongst them. I was called by the company a month later, asking if I could come in for an interview. Not a job interview, mind you, but they asked me to give a statement on the whole affair. This wasn't a legal thing, and they had no way to force me to make a statement, as it was an internal investigation, but I still happily complied 
and even gave my signature that I told the truth. I gave them the entire story as accurately as I could and I openly admitted what I didn't know or where I was only guessing. They thanked me and apologized. Honestly, I felt that they couldn't pay me for the time they took from me due to legal reasons. I was all fine with that and I went home. So then, Igor got fired for careless negligence. His brother, Boris, likewise got the immediate boot in the butt. My boss went down under as well. He and Boris were fired for mismanagement. Their boss, however, Freddy, not only got fired, but dragged in front of court. I've got no idea how that went on as he was dragged to the US. But given how ridiculous that justice system is and that he'd been designated as a scapegoat by one of the biggest companies worldwide, it wouldn't be surprised if he had to hold very tightly onto the soap for a good while. Oh, wow. The entire facility went firmly into the red for that year due to nearly all contracted reworks missing deadlines which means a daily fee of tens of thousands per contract. My ears in the company soon sought themselves new jobs, despite in one case being there for 20 years. The last I heard is that the company had to contract the producer of the measurement machine to train new employees as to how to operate it properly. I'd asked for triple my pay. Well, those guys were more like triple the zeros at the end. Oh, and I did find a new job within one day. So I was fired on the Monday, had the interview on Tuesday, a test work day on the Thursday, and I was asked at the end of that day when I could start, which was the next Monday. I do manual measurements now in an incoming quality control department. The boss is a blast, the team is all friendly, and my commute is 18 minutes with an electric scooter. I've worked there for nine months now, and I'm already the de facto team leader for the first sample stuff. And best of all, I'm appreciated for the work I do too. So there we go. We got there in the end. Uh, Admittedly, the setup for that one was quite long, but fair play to you if you stuck through it. I certainly did. And I'm still here to live the tale. Good story though. Really enjoyed it. And you know what? As I say with a lot of these revenge stories, it is mental how quite a lot of companies always are just like, you know what? Yeah, we can replace this employee that, oh wait, does loads and loads of work for criminal pay. Ah, we're now screwed. It just happens a lot, doesn't it? Give the man what he wants in the first place, good hours and credit where it's deserved, and this would never have happened. It's as simple as that. I don't know. Stupid people just never learn, do they? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 